Welcome to Northgate Bible Chapel Online. Thanks for checking out our podcast, where you can listen to our latest sermons, filled with teaching, encouragement, and hope from God's Word. So whether you're outdoors, in the car, or just poured some coffee, let's dive into today's message. Oh, this one's real. This one's real. That's good. Good. Right here. Okay. Oh, that's that's better. Romans five, twelve through twenty-one. Wherefore, we'll stop there. There's seven wherefores in Romans. 27 therefores. So if you look at it, therefore is slightly before, but a wherefore, or yeah, wherefore is kind of this far away from chapter one all the way. So this small section here in Romans is is kind of like, okay, I'm going to add on to what I've I've been saying all along give you some details um, about these things that have taken place or that I've talked about already. So I'm not going to do a lot of summary, but just think of the the topics that we've been talking about in Romans. The unrighteousness of man, the the wrath of God, the... um, reprobate mind of mankind. The, uh, those who think themselves better, but they really aren't. Um, because man is man. We can't get a- around that. You know, that, that stops us in our tracks. We are of Adam. We have that sin nature of rebellion. But the apostle brings out the, um, after he says the final verdict of all mankind, we're all sinners. Nothing good comes from us. Destruction and misery, but the righteousness of God. Being justified freely by his grace. The same was Abraham. David justified by his grace. And then finally, um, what Isaac brought out last week in the first few verses, chapter 5, 
being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have access. We stand. We rejoice. We glory. How much better is that than all the suffering and sin that is in our lives? And how is that transformed? It was by the way of the cross. So let's read chapter 5. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world. But sin is not imputed where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression. Who is the figure of him that was to come? But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many are dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they who receive abundance of grace and all the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through, Jesus, uh, through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. That's how we pray. Our Father, we thank you for this passage that sums up all that we've spoken about in Romans thus far and brings us back to the beginning, the beginning where Adam had that choice and he made his choice and plunged the humankind into the depths that we're at today, have been throughout history, the injustice, the depths of um, sin and rebellion against the holy God. But we thank you for the way of the cross, the way that which the Lord Jesus freely took upon himself all our sins and bore them on that tree. And so we can be justified can have the justification of life. We can have access, as we read earlier, into this grace in which we stand. I ask thy blessing as we consider these verses now. I ask thy help. Um, thank you for your many blessings to us. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. So, if you want to do... Um,
We're just going to get rid of this. Does that mean I'm done? Yep. <laughs> there you go. You'll be fine. Okay, thank you. Okay, so to summarize what we will talk about is a summary slide here. One offense, one act, righteous act. And we'll go through some of these details here. But because of that one offense, death reigned. It was in control of every one of us. The fear of death. How terrible is the fear of death? And we read in Hebrews how the Satan, through the fear of death, had men in his grasp. But by that one righteous act, grace, giving to us what we don't deserve, is now in control. And to all those who avail themselves of this grace, there's no more fear of death. Yeah, we have to go through the physical death. But as we'll get into, there's two parts to death. There's the first death, and then there's the second death. So with that, let me make sure I got these buttons right. So we'll just go verse by verse and bring out some of the things um, as I go down what I was thinking about during the week. Wherefore, as by one man's sin, whoops, in Genesis, it says, this is the book of the generations of Adam. In the day that God created man, in the likeness of God made he him, male and female created he them, and blessed them, and called their name Adam. And so Adam, you might think, is both man and woman in this, in Romans, but it's not. So in the context of Genesis, it's the world. Adam was called for both men and women. Their name was Adam. And so that would suggest the parentage of the human family. Nevertheless, the sin of the woman by deception was not complete in its effects without man concurring with his choice to take of the fruit of the tree now, it was given Adam, so it's by one man. This is Adam whose uh, fault it is. My wife says, what are you going to speak about in, in my right um, humor? I said, it's Eve's fault. It's all Eve's fault. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, it's Adam's fault. He went into it open-eyed, disobeying God. God had given him the direct law, don't eat of the fruit of the tree, of the knowledge of good and evil. And that was done before even Eve was on the scene. If you go through Genesis, Adam or God gave that command to Adam before Adam fell into a deep sleep and God took his rib and formed woman. And what the relationship and all that is, is hard to say in terms of, was Adam there when Satan um, tempted Eve and deceived her? Was he standing by saying, hmm, I wonder how this is going to play out? Or was he not even there? We've gone back and forth, back and forth. But it all boils down to the fact that Adam 
disobeyed God. He did eat. And when they were walking in the garden and God said, where are you? Have you eaten of that tree which I commanded not to eat? God asked him that. Of course, he said, the woman whom you gave me. You know, there's passing the buck. And then the woman said, the serpent beguiled me. And so God took care of him. And then he took care of the woman. And he took care of both of them. Right? Satan, you shall walk. or You're no longer going to walk on uh, your four feet. You're going to slither on the ground. Woman, your seed's going to bruise his head. Man, I'm going to clothe you with coats of skin. So God took care of it all, even then. But as by one man, sin came into the world. And so the further that contrast, he uses the world, uh, word world here in terms of that all, everybody, the race, the human race. So Adam's one sin, everybody, is cast into that um, I'm not going to say pit yet, but into that um, slurry of sin. And death has two parts. So we'll talk about death by sin. Separation from the human race. So when I die, I'm separated from my loved ones. Or they're separated from me. I guess I'm with all my other loved ones. But anyway, I'm separated from the, my current loved ones here on earth. They can't talk to me. They just put me into a casket. They'll try to put me up against the wall and have a wake. That's what a wake was, you know, try to wake them from the dead, I guess. Anyway, put me into a casket. I asked to be buried in my wedding suit still hanging in my closet, <laughs> waiting for the day. I, I think about morbid things a lot when I'm <laughs> by myself. But then the second death is being separated from God. Revelation says, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death, being separated from God. And while the Lord Jesus Christ hung on that cross, as he was dying, he, was, he really endured the second death first. Three hours on the cross equals all men's eternity, time and eternity for sins forever. Three hours of the Lord Jesus paying the penalty that we owe equals everybody's eternity for all the sins that they've ever done. And then he gave up his spirit. He didn't die from the wounds, from the crucifixion. He gave up his spirit. Only one who's ever been able to do that. And he laid his head back. It is finished just before that. And he gave up his spirit. Tremendous. So the truth is that the doctrine of the fall of man and the prevalence of sin and death don't belong to Christianity. Christianity didn't introduce sin, nor is it responsible for it. 
The existence of sin and woe belongs to the human race, regardless of one's religious belief. This is common to all. <laughs> Nothing uh, unique. Death uh, and suffering is not unique to Christianity. Everyone experiences it. But Christianity uniquely annuls the sin of Adam by the justification through the blood of Christ, by his grace, through faith. So blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. Again, this is from Revelation. On such, the second death has no power. The second death has no power. There's not going to be any double jeopardy. Is that the right word? When we'll be standing behind the Lord Jesus as he's judging the world, as he is uh, on that great white throne, and he casts hell and death into the lake of fire, he's not going to turn back to us behind him and say, okay, by the way, you're next. Have you, I, I, again, I have a lot of morbid thoughts about uh, things that I'm thinking about, but that'll never, never happen. That'll never happen. Praise God. We see death and hell cast into the lake of fire. And we'll be in the light and love of our Lord Jesus. Let's go on to the next verse. Otherwise, we're going to run out of time. <clears throat> for unto the law, sin was in the world. For until the law. There's a little parenthesis there. You see that? The uh, King James has that parenthesis. Goes all the way down to uh, verse 17 as he's trying to explain, I guess, what he just said. For unto the law, sin was in, in, in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. That is reckoned. You know, you broke one, two, three, four. There's three things about, or four things about sin. There's sin, iniquity, transgression, and guile. Sin is missing the mark. And everything... The trans, iniquity, transgression, and guile is all missing the mark. Missing the mark. You know, you take your bow and arrow. I was a mighty hunter when I was younger. Now I can't even pull the, the bow back. It hurts my arm. But anyway, you're there, and you're aiming at the bullseye. For me, it was about this side of the deer, right? Right in here is a good place to get it. And you let fly that arrow. You know, I was only about 50% successful out in the woods when I was a hunter. Yeah. So I missed the mark a lot. Yep. Fortunately, they got away unscathed sometimes. But anyway, that's sin, missing the mark. Transgression, that's you are presented with your command and you do the opposite. Iniquity is, I'm just going to go my own way, do my own thing, not even think about it. And guile. That's the hypocrisy of it all. And so in Deuteronomy, Moses, God says to Moses, I will forgive the sin, iniquity, transgression, but by no means will clear the guilty, those full of guile. And so you see that, you see the sin described that way in Psalm, uh, David's Psalm uh, 54, I think it is. And so that's what sin is. And so, when there's no law, there's no transgression because there's nothing there to respond to that 
particular act. Now, Adam did have the command, don't eat of the tree. So his was a transgression. So even the similitude of Adam's transgression wasn't displayed after him, but still, we were all sinners. And Adam is really the figure of him that was to come. And if we have time, we'll make a comparison of Adam and, and, and Christ, Adam being the figure. So there are three periods of sin. Adam's sin initially, sins from Moses to Adam to Moses, and then sins under the law up to now. And Adam's sin was transgression. And from Adam to Moses, sin was not imputed as transgression. Since the law, sin is reckoned as transgression. That is, when you come before a court of law, they tell you why you're here. You know, you did this, you did that, you're being charged with this and that. And then um, law entered that the offense might abound. Where all of a sudden, it's clear what we've done wrong. And sin, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So too death reigned from Adam to Moses, continues to this day. But don't be too hard on Adam. If any of us were there, we would have done the same thing. We would have disobeyed God. How do I know that? Because God had planned well in advance how he was going to save before the foundation of the world, three things happened. There was God's passion, the love for his son, that's John 17. Then there was God's purpose to provide a bride for that son. That's in Ephesians. And then before the foundation of the world, there was God's price to pay for it, the blood of the living God. Isn't that amazing? So it's in Adam's demeanor to want to be with his wife even to the point of going into the sin of taking of that tree. She'd already eaten it, perhaps, or he watched her eat it, and he chose to be with her. The Lord Jesus, too. This is the one I just thought of, the, the figure. The Lord Jesus, too, chose to be with people whom would, who would love him and appreciate him, and he was willing to die for them purchase them, to be with himself. Wow. So we'll have time. Um, we'll look at some of those figures. Adam was a print stuck, struck, struck from a die. Uh, I won't talk about that. That's what I did most of my life was design dies to make things. But we don't have time. But not as the offense, this where the language gets a little confusing, but not as the offense, so also is the free gift. So what an opposite, right? There's three opposites here. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ has abounded to many. So there's one offense that plunged the human race into abundance of offenses. Unlike this, the free gift wipes away not just that one offense, but all the offenses of everyone. And as Glenn mentioned, the, uh, the bounty of sin against him um, today, I calculated that. I estimated that, okay? 
Some have estimated from Adam up till now there's been 7 billion people. I don't know how they estimated, but that's the estimation. Those who have already died, 7 billion. There's 8 billion roughly on the earth today. So that's 15 billion people total. And to make the math easier, assume lifespan is 100 years, which isn't really off the, the mark because for 2,000 years from Adam to Noah, they lived about 1,000 years each. It's a long time. And then from Noah to Moses, it was about 120 years. And then in Psalm 90, we have, okay, your lifespan is going to be 70 now, maybe 80, so 100 years is a good assumption. And 365 days a year. And let's give it mm, 10 offenses a day. Is that fair? Someone's, no, no, that's way, way low. Some say, wait a minute, I'm not that bad. All right, I just chose 10. So what does that number work out to be? 5.5 million million offenses against God. Now I taught statistics for a while and this, these statistics are pretty overwhelming, right? 5.5 million million to one. Who is that one? Our Lord Jesus. Wow. That one righteous act obliterated all that. Hmm. So the race is under the dark and gloomy reign of death. That's a simple fact the apostle assumes and which no man can deny. But Jesus took on this death in both its parts, on the cross, death of the body and death of the spirit. And that one death just obliterated all the death in a potential way. It's not, not that everyone now is clear from it. No, you have to avail yourself. You have to be obedient, like he was. Much more, the verse says, the reason for this much more is to be found in the abounding mercy and goodness of God. Adam and Christ are compared together in this respect, that both of them give and yield to theirs, which is their own. Right? Adam gave us his sin nature. Well, God or Christ is going to give us his nature, the divine nature. Amazing. But the first difference between them is this, that Adam by nature has spread his fault to the destruction of many, but Christ's obedience has his grace overflowed to many. And there is a second inequality is that by Adam's one offense, men are made guilty, but the righteousness of Christ imputed unto us freely does not only absolve us from that one fault, the sin nature, which is all on everyone, but from all the offenses, our many sins. And it was not by one that sin, so is the gift. And the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of one man's sin as well. For Adam's one sin led to condemnation, but the free gift leads to being made right with God even though we're guilty of many sins. 
And moreover, it was not Adam's repentance and faith that leads us to our justification, but our own repentance and faith. It's a free gift, but you must receive it individually. Ever thought about when somebody gives you a gift? Have you ever rejected a free gift somebody gave to you? Sometimes it's a scam, but I'm talking about somebody who you know is trying to give something to you. And they say, oh, well, let me pay for you. Let me pay for that. It's all wrapped up, nice bow on it. And they try to give you a gift. Well, let me, let me pay for that. What an insult that would be, wouldn't it? Each of us have to receive the gift of this grace individually with thanksgiving. Or reject it. No, I don't want it. Hmm. How often people do that. So it's not uh, what he did, Adam. Adam thrust us into the sin nature. But we ourselves have to repent and believe and receive that gift. And this is the one good thing that we can do. In John 5, he's talking about the resurrection of life and resurrection of damnation. And he says, they that have done good, now done refers to one single act. There's two Greek words for done in John 5. They have done good. Under, so you get the resurrection of life. And they that have continually done evil. That's where the different done is there. One is poio and the other is praso or something like that in the Greek. And they are raised to the everlasting damnation. What shall we do? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ in chapter 6 of John. What should we do that we might work the works of God? And Jesus says, believe on him when we sin. That's all. It's the one good thing we can do. And that's faith. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one much more they who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one. And that's the end of the parenthesis from verse 13 to 17. And so that also includes the third difference between these two men is that the righteousness of Christ is imputed to us by grace. It is of greater power to bring life than the offense of Adam was, which condemned his posterity to death has greater power to bring life and yet so few avail themselves of it we love darkness rather than light because our deeds are evil so have you received the abundance of grace and the ultimate gift that that grace bestows it's easy but it's hard because we want to do it ourselves when Adam and Eve ate the fruit, they recognized they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together. That was their works, to try to hide this sin. And so for ages, people have done things to appease God for their sins, works. And it's not by the works of righteousness, Paul has said in chapter earlier in Romans 
no flesh shall be justified in his sight by the works of the flesh. And so the evils which we suffer in the consequence of the sin of Adam bear no comparison with the mercies of eternal life that shall flow to them from the work of the Savior. Isn't that nice? Some of this is not original, I have to admit that. But you can uh, once, not for your own profit, plagiarize. I didn't know if you knew that. So you can present this stuff as your own, but you're not publishing it. So, you know, I have to admit that not, a, not all of this is my own. So the work of Christ is far more abundant and overflowing in its influence. Extended deeper and farther, it was more than a compensation for the evils of the fall. Here is the single view of the parenthesis starting in verse 13. Just kind of sums it up. Death was in control. Now grace is in control over us personally. We have no more fear of death. Yeah, we're going to die physically and that everybody has to experience that unless the Lord Jesus comes back and then we're raised, changed, for rather. The death are raised first and we who are alive and remain will be changed. Okay, second time. When do I, when do I get to stop? When I'm done, good. <clears throat> Here's the sum of the matter. Adam's one sin produced in his offering a sin nature in line with the rebellion that he started. And therefore, condemnation came upon all. Thank God, the work of Christ, the one righteous act, the Lamb of God produced in his offspring the divine nature. 2 Peter 1.4. This is a pre the precious promise, and there's all the other promises flow from that, that we can have the divine nature. And that's in line with that humble obedience, producing the acquittal of a lifetime. You know, that's the justification to life. Justification of life. This, that's the only phrase, the only time this phrase is used in the New Testament. Justification of life. And what a beautiful phrase. And I thought I'd add my two cents to all the other commentators. I said, it's the acquittal of a lifetime. just as if I'd never sinned. Wow. And so as we have borne the image of the earthly Adam, we shall bear the image of the heavenly Adam. It doesn't prove that all will in fact be saved, but that the plan is fitted to meet all the evils of the fall. He had it all worked out before the foundation of the world. And so he that believeth on him is not condemned. He that believeth not is condemned already. We have the sin nature. We've done all these offenses that I've listed or calculated because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And that's our condemnation. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That as sin has reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our, law, our Lord. So the law came in to show our exceeding sinfulness 
But you know what that did? Because of man's rebellion, it just incited him to rebel even more. Think about that. It's like what um, John said um, to God, we will see you later in your prayer. What a wonderful hope. We will see you later. You know what man in his rebellion says? See you later, God. No, I'm not going to follow that. I'm going to do my own thing. Man in his rebellion. That law incited even more rebellion against God's righteousness. But to this, the grace of God superabounded. That's the word there. Superabounded. Much more abound. No matter what or how much we have sinned against God, God's gift is more than enough to negate the wages of our sin. Hmm. And so grace reigns. And you still have time to receive that acquittal of a lifetime. Obtain eternal life, be accounted righteous, be made right with God, have the peace from God, the peace with God, and the peace of God. As Caleb said this morning, calmness and peace. He came to the Lord's Supper today. I like the way you put that. Sometimes I was angry when I came to the Lord's Supper. Late, angry. I, I said, Lord, I don't deserve to be here because of my attitude. But I was so glad afterwards I came anyway. Because somehow you get transformed during the Lord's Supper, no matter where you are at in an attitude. That's just an aside, a tangent. Okay, almost done here. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. Didn't I go over that? I did. So I'm all done. I'm all done, really. Except, um, with the help of Chris Amon, I got some of these figures uh, between Adam and we can go through them if you like. So Adam was called the son of God, and Jesus was the only begotten son of God. The first Adam was a living soul, the last Adam a life-giving spirit. The first man is the earth, earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven, implies more men and women who will be real. Having all in that garden, every tree you may freely eat. Had it all, paradise, paradise of God, the Garden of Eden, have it all gave in to the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. The fruit was good to look on. It was a fruit to make one wise. What was the other one? Hmm? Oh, good for food, yeah. Lust of the flesh, good for food. Pleasant to the eyes, the lust of the eyes, and a fruit to make one wise. There's the, the uh, pride of life. The Lord Jesus, on the other hand, having nothing in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights, having no food, was tempted in all points like as we, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, yet without sin. Adam partook of the tree, bringing death. The Lord Jesus endured the tree, the cross, abolishing death. Adam was the father of all men. Jesus is the firstborn among many brethren. The rib from his side, Adam received a wife. She was deceived. The spear in his side produced 
our saving grace for the church, and we are not ignorant of Satan's devices. Hmm. That's a big difference. The wife, Eve, was presented naked to Adam. The wife of the Lord Jesus is presented in fine linen. Hmm. Now, they, they were naked, but they knew no shame, but still they were naked. And Adam said, bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. He was excited. Now, all us men would be excited to see Eve there. And Ephesians says, we are of his bones, of his flesh and of his bones. We shall be raised in this way. Adam's seed of the woman was to bruise Satan's head. And Romans 16 says, The God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. In sorrow we eat bread. Jesus was the man of sorrows. I mean, Adam, that said to Adam, In sorrow you will eat your bread. Jesus was the man of sorrows. In the sweat of your brow you will work. <laughs> but Jesus sweat great drops of blood. Thorns and thistles shall all your work bring forth. He was crowned with thorns. Barred from the tree of life by that flaming sword, that sword smote the shepherd. The sheep were scattered, and I will give you of the tree of life, Jesus says. You're to till the ground, and you're going to return to the ground. Jesus falls into the ground as that grain of wheat of John 12. Falls in the ground and dies, brings forth a great harvest. Adam, where are you? Fellowship is broken. Jesus, by the psalmist, says he restored that which he took not away. Adam bore a son in his own likeness after his image. We, the sons of God, shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Hmm. What Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. All things were made by him. And without him was not anything made that was made. He called, the, with his words, he called the universe into existence. And yet he couldn't just, with his word, call our sin out of existence. He had to come physically. He had to bear our sin in his own body on the tree. He just couldn't use a word to eliminate it. How great his power was to call into everything into existence by the word of his power. But for our sin, he had to come and die. For Adam, there was not found and help meet for him. And we can be workers together with him. And then I ran out of time, so that's why there's empty spaces there. But you can keep adding to this, you know, the more you think about it. It's pretty amazing. So that's it for this morning. Hope you enjoyed that. Um, I did. Uh, it's the first time I ever used that, um, you know, verse by verse type of thing. Hope it wasn't too boring. But uh, anyway, he, the Lord Jesus, by that righteous act, has overcome, annulled, justified us from all our sins that Adam, in his one offense plunged us into and he had to do it in his physically here he couldn't just speak it out of existence 
He had to come, bear our sins in his own body on the tree. Aren't we glad he did? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for our time together and for these words uh, that we can enjoy. Words of life, wonderful words of life. We just need to accept that gift, receive it, and be thankful and praise him. Thank you for our time together in his precious name. Amen. Thank you.